You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast with me, your host, Hamish Carton. Yes, we are back in the fitting setting of our famous studio to discuss an incredible week of Scottish football action. Yes, we are refreshed after what a good couple of weeks of uh, of holidaying. Not quite, we've had exams and stuff like that to put up with, but we are back now just as the Scottish football season has ended. Um, perfect timing as always today. We have no shortage of issues to discuss. We'll be looking at the now probably infamous Scottish Cup final in terms of the match Hibernian of course winning the Scottish Cup for the first time in 114 years we'll look at the match how it panned out we'll also obviously talk about the unsavoury scenes in the aftermath of the match at Hamden get some opinions on that I sense that there might be a little bit of disagreement and discussion going on between a couple of the panel members to, due to that we will then turn attention to yesterday's Premiership playoff final second leg at Rugby Park. A couple of you were at, in fact, all three of you, apart from me, um, were all at the game yesterday to see Kilmarnock winning 4 0 against Falkirk, 4 1 in aggregate. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on that game. And uh, the action doesn't even stop there because we've got a few managerial appointments to chat about as well. Of course, the big news that arrived on Friday that Celtic have a new manager, Brendan Rodgers, and we'll discuss the thoughts on that as well as, I believe, Wraith Rovers, Queen of the South and Cowdenbeath, all announcing new managers in the past, well, certainly the latter two of the last 24 hours or so. We'll get thoughts on that as well. Is there anything I have missed, Lewis Kemp? Uh, I think you just about covered that. Yeah, it's yeah. been a hell of a weekend, hasn't it? It's been outstanding. Um, I mean, from just from the cup final, um, which was probably one of the most entertaining from start to finish um, that I can remember, and obviously the playoffs, which have been a Breath fresh air for our game, you know, it's been it's been a wonderful. Yeah, fantastic. Johnny Clark also joining us here. I believe you're going home tomorrow, Johnny, so you won't um, yes. won't see you for the, the season review. We might we might get you on the phone yeah. for a season review later on in the week, but um I think you you enjoyed the weekend's action as well. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Um a disappointing end. Well, I, I know I'm not a Falkirk fan, but you know, writing the reports from it's a bit makes it my job more difficult when, when Falkirk get on smash that was the most difficult one I've had to do yet I think on the plus side there wasn't a late goal to really <laughs> that was, uh, I had it done about two minutes after full time I mm. think and Con- Connor uh, uh, actually edited out the intro and the uh, and the conclusion I think I, I put sort of like a Falkirk were beaten 4-0 on a disappointing day and he just edited out and said Falkirk for the final hurdle just mm. No, I think that summed it up really. Poor Connor. Well, I believe Connor's sick today. I don't know if that's anything to do with the result or if it is any other reasons, but hopefully we'll speak to him later on in the week as well. And also, Callum Fisher. How are you, Callum? Um, Bit gutted, you know, the performance from Glasgow Warriors wasn't great on Saturday, (laughs) um, and it's disappointing to to see it. Callum Kerr has just turned off a rugby fan. That is the last mention, probably the first mention rugby's got all season, and hopefully the last one. Hopefully the last one. <laughs> right, guys, let's get right into it. We'll chat about the game first. Uh, Hibs 3, Rangers 2 on Saturday. And first, Lewis, I spoke to you on the phone right after right after the match. Um, and and you, I think you said that it was, in your opinion, the best final you've ever seen. Do you still go along with that? Yeah. Um, bear in mind, I am only 19 years old, so I've not seen... Um, 
stuff like uh, Motherwell beating Dun United 4-3 Safe and to classic. assume you've never seen Hibs win a Scottish Cup before I've never seen that either I never actually expected I would see it um, it's one of those things like or like Boston Red Sox and baseball and, and the Cubs as, as well in the same sport. It's kind of like one of those kind of hoodoo type things, and it's one of, it, it, it goes along with kind of Scottish football mythology almost. And for it to actually happen, and the way it did happen in such an entertaining game, uh, and to score right at the last minute, um, it was just a, f- a fantastic uh, spectacle, um, mm. start to finish. Yeah, I'm actually at a disadvantage. I've not seen the match in its entirety. I was forced to work in my, my day job at Red's Restaurant on Saturday um, <laughs> due to me covering the shift of a Rangers fan who entered the building at about half five. Not too happy was our Johnny. But um, you, Johnny, what did what did you make of, of the game? No, I think I'd go along with what Lewis said. It was one of the best one of the best matches I've seen seen all season. I'm just... I mean, Lewis were actually talking about it earlier. It's, it's something special about Scottish yeah. football was... What other league in the world? I think we're discussing compared to compared to Germany. There's n- there's nothing like that. Like Hibs, nothing quite as special as Hibs going 114 years without winning it and scoring a last minute header. I mean, it's, I know. it's unmatchable. You couldn't have written that. Even but. Leicester City couldn't beat that, <laughs> could they? That's nah. incredible. But um, Callum, I mean, in terms of the obviously your team didn't get the result you were after, but in terms of the actual occasion, the first meeting of two lower league teams in the cup final range, of course, not really lower league anymore. Um, ever and uh, it fairly lived up to the expectation in terms of the spectacle and the quality of the match um, yeah I suppose if, from a Hibs perspective it might do I thought Rangers wise we were really poor um, we looked every bit uh, a team that had had a, a three week rest we weren't, we didn't look sharp our passing was poor some of the first touches were atrocious and I was actually discussing this with, with the people I was watching the game with it's, it was bizarre that 36 year old Kenny Miller looked the sharpest on that park after three weeks off, which mm. I suppose is just kind of testament to the shape he keeps yeah. himself in. But, you know, it, it is disappointing. Um, it's been a fantastic season, considering where we were a year ago. Uh, the To be where we are now, um, I, is, is still, it's still brilliant, um, and it's still been a good season we've had. I think, though, that the, there can be no complaints um, in terms of who deserved to win that match, because, to be honest, we were, we were really poor, and, and Hibs... That was that was the best performance I've seen from Hibs in any of the was it five five game or six games including that game. Yeah, that three wins each. Yeah, mm. so you know credit to them on the park. You know they they deserve to win. Um, deserve to win the game and and for us it's just about regrouping, going again next year. Um, there's an exciting season ahead. Obviously with all this talk, we've already got Jordan Rossiter in. All this talk about Barton and potential other players coming in as well. You know it's it's going to be an, an interesting summer. Um, for us in terms of recruitment and things like that so um, whilst I am disappointed I, I think I really you know in the grand scheme of things uh, after everything that's kind of happened at Rangers these past few years losing a cup final isn't really the end of the world to be honest So how much of it Lewis the Rangers performance on Saturday is down to not having a competitive game in three weeks not having a meaningful competitive game since the Celtic semi-final how much of that is, is that just giving them an excuse or is that a genuine reason <laughs> uh, well I mean, I always said going into it, um, you know, how how this kind of would affect the game. A lot of people were saying about how Hibs, you know, had a lot, of, you know, had become backlog, backlog of fixtures almost, and uh, you know, we were all kind of pondering whether uh, you know if Hibs actually reached the playoff final, would it uh, go in their favour or would it not? Um, and what we found out is that um, it's almost went against Rangers mm-hmm. that they've had this long break. Um, I'll ask you another question: Would Hibs have won the cup had they been in the playoff final against Kelly? Um, 
it's hard. It is, it's again, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. But um, if that Rangers team turned up, I mean, you, you never know. Um, there was. I mean, even looking at the match, I mean, uh, when Halliday scored, and it was a uh, terrific goal as well that he scored. Um, but when he scored, there was almost like in a kind of sense that. Uh, I mean, I actually felt. It. I said to Johnny, I said, if anyone's going to score, it'll be Rangers. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, Sibs were very wasteful in front of goal after that. You know, Stokes boned it over the bar for a very good chance straight after. So it was very surprising almost that they kind of got into the game. But I mean, full credit to them. I mean, they started the game uh, terrifically, and uh, I think on the whole, I think they on, on the whole they deserved it. They deserved it. I feel. Mm. Johnny, I mean, you look at the the way the way Hibs played, and Alan Stubbs came out afterwards said that. It wasn't. Uh, this was directly after the game. He said that the, the main target was to get promoted, but this was a close second. However, I think yesterday during the kind of celebrations, one hundred fifty thousand apparently turned up in Edinburgh. He said that he wouldn't change it for the world. Do you think? I mean, the goal was playoffs to win the playoffs or yeah. to get promoted. Sorry, um, but this is a lot of Hibs fans would probably prefer this if you yeah. offered yeah. them it. I think if you'd asked Hibs fans, they would have preferred the Scottish Cup just because. What we were talking about earlier, 114 years, you know, many of the younger generations wouldn't have even, the older generations would never have seen this. In fact, I don't think yeah. there's, you'd be struggling to find a Hibs fan alive to I see this. There aren't any. Not, not, Sammy, whatever his name is. Yeah. year old guy that hasn't seen it, you know, it's, it's remarkable. I think in the long run, you would take the Scottish Cup. In the short run, you'd probably want to be back in, in the big time, but I think... Pat Nevin, uh, obviously a Hibs fan, even though Lewis claims he supports, used to support Celtic, <laughs> but uh, he he said it himself on sports scene. This is what every Hibs fan would have taken, and uh, but Alan Stubbs as well came out after the game. I think he said he wanted promotion automatically next season is mm. the is the aim straight away. I, I think maybe the club, from a financial point of view, obviously would have preferred mm-hmm. um, you know, promotion. Um, but again, to yeah. echo what you're saying, I think every Hibs fan would have taken that. Uh, I mean, I think every Hib- I heard in the I think it was in sports scene after it. There, there were interviewing Hibs fans after it, and they were. Uh, I, I think one of them said, um, "I would have taken an art uh, two years in the championship for this." You know, mm. I mean, it, it meant that much to them. I think Leanne Dempster would have taken it as well, judging by her post match. Yeah, as well. <laughs> um, Callum, both. I mean, looking forward to next year. Callum, do you see Hibs as the favourites for automatic promotion at the championship? Do you think that team will, will build from the fact that they've now, as Alan Stubbs said, they changed Hibs it to done it? Um, I'm not sure because I think there's still probably question marks about who's actually going to be at Hibs next season, player wise. Mm. Um, whether obviously Henderson either goes back to Celtic or he goes back out on loan, or if he, or he ends up back at Hibs, Cummins that all the talk been that he's leaving. What happens with Stokes? Mm. Jo- is John McGinn going to be there next season as well? I think if they can keep the kind of nucleus of that squad, then you have to say they probably they probably should be favourites. Yeah, because they only need to be better than Dundee United and Falkirk. That's that's the Simple truth, isn't it? Mm. I, I, I think St. Mun under Alex Ray mm. are going uh, are going to be in there as well. I think we can write off Ray Rovers right now, though under Gary Locke. <laughs> but um, say that's well. Um, I, I, I don't think it's going. I don't think it will be a straight. For, I don't think it will be straightforward for anyone next season because it's going to be a very competitive mm. league. Um, and I think there's uh, not to sound too much like Connor Park. You know there isn't. Everywhere is like a tough place to go next. There are no. I don't think there's any easy games really in that division next season. So, mm. but yes, you would you would have to say that Hibs if they can, and I, I assume they'll keep Stubbs on now. And if they can keep the the kind of nucleus of that squad, then you would say they would have to be favourites. Yeah. 
How do you judge this season then, Johnny Hibbs, if I was to ask you, just to sum up the whole thing, the loss in the League Cup final to Ross County, um, lost out in promotion to Rangers and then Falkirk after that, uh, Ramsen's Cup, the Petrofac Cup, sorry, didn't last very long, they were out of that by the middle of July, uh, but they have won the Scottish Cup. I just, I think if if, the, if Hibbs had gained promotion and won the Scottish Cup, Stubbs would have been manager of the year. If they'd lost... Yesterday, he would have probably been looking at being out of a job, yeah. and now it's right in the middle. You know, he's 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 obviously a very good manager. Um, it's it's good for Hibbs that he's staying. I think. Uh, I don't think it's been an amazing season, uh, but the Scottish Cup totally covers it up. It's yeah. You would have taken that. They, they would have taken that at the start of the season. I do yeah. think they're behind schedule now, though. They should be. In the in the Premiership next mm. season, so what a six out of ten, uh, seven and a half, seven and a half out of ten. Uh, and the same question to you, Lewis, about Rangers. Um, it's, it's quite funny because somebody posted on Twitter after it saying how obviously Warburton's the manager of the year. Um, I, I think I think it is because it, I mean I think it's I think it's more than just promotion for Rangers. I think it's a mindset change, and I think it's a you know the, the, the there is a lot of players there, which will uh, you know which have been a positive this year that, that of you know um, going forward. I think can take them uh, places. You know there's there is still work to be done. I think I think uh, Cal would even agree with that. Um, defensively, especially um, from set pieces as we saw yesterday, they were quite suspect, but. Um, they're on the right track, and then Warburton, I think they have a very good and competent mm. manager. They're, they're almost sorry, Johnny. They're almost kind of the opposite of Hibs in terms of Hibs' main argu- uh, target was promotion. Same went for Rangers, of course. Well, Warburton says that was the only thing that was discussed in pre-season was get us up. He's done that. He's won the Petrofac Cup, which is is kind of irrelevant. But that's it's a it's a cup they've won. They've gone out and won it. Whereas the bonus of winning one of the national cups haven't quite managed that. But I'd say, in the opposite, I'd give I'd give. I'd give Rangers a 7 out of 10 for getting up and he's definitely turned them back into a good side but I think the big question you'll probably agree with me is next season Callum how how they go about it next year in, in the, the top league Yeah I think <coughs> excuse me like, again it's, it's all about as similar as we were saying to Hibs I suppose it's or it's more it's about who, how we recruit and who we recruit I think I'm Really, really happy with who we've. Jordan Roster, I think, is a fantastic signing for two hundred and fifty k to get him. When you know there was talk of Spurs and Man City interested in things like that, and I think Liverpool fans were quite disappointed that he that he left. And um, to get so to get him uh, is a fantastic signing, I think. Um, and then you've obviously got you know Josh Windass and Matt Crooks coming in, potentially Joey Barton. You know, was like Danny Ings have been mentioned on loan and things like that. So I think. I'm really, I'm really happy with where the club is at in terms of who we've got in charge, the the players that we're looking to bring in. I think that's that's good. I think there are improvements that need to be made, and I've never said that there hasn't been. Um, and I think, if anything, I think Saturday might just be a, a little bit of a wake up call to some players that might just show them that actually they're not we're not quite the finished article yet. Um, and I think. As I say, I think it's an exciting summer ahead uh, in terms of who we're looking to bring in and things like that for Rangers. Johnny, were you going to make a point a second ago when I cut you uh, off? I was just going to say, I think yesterday, uh, sorry, Saturday was season-defining for Hibs. Say mm. there, I give them a seven and a half and they lost that, it would have been you know, less than a five mm. probably. Yeah. I mean, it really is season-defining. For Rangers, I think it was, I mean, Callum said earlier on, it's it was a bonus, I think. And mm. I don't think it's... 
it's a black mark on their season at all. I think there's still be, as as Warburton said himself, the the aim was promotion. So yeah, we will of course later on in the week chat about the the seasons as a whole once the the dust has settled a little bit on the weekend's action. Um, we'll look back at Hibs and Rangers and the other forty SPFL teams and maybe a few Highland Lowland League teams as well. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It should be Wednesday and Friday. Those two going out in two parts once they go out. Um, we'll turn attention now to the the slightly unsavoury scenes. Um, and they've, to be honest, they've they've kind of marred the match. If we're totally honest, um, I mean that's one of the questions we'll chat about later on. Uh, I'm not even going to explain it because I think everyone knows what happened. That basically there was a, a pitch invasion after full time. What were your immediate thoughts on it, Johnny, when you saw the Hibs fans uh, running onto the pitch? Well, I'd, when I seen them run onto the pitch, I, I didn't immediately, I wasn't taken aback, you know, I just thought it was a kind of normal thing. I know we've not seen any pitch invasions at Hamden that, probably in our, in our say, lifetime. That's what I was going to say, because it never really happens at Hamden, no, does it? Cause I think it's probably because you're tired out by the time you reach the pitch, you're about 400 yards away from it. <laughs> but uh, I, I wasn't, it didn't look aggressive to start with, and I know... A minority of Hibs, Hibs fans have gone over and antagonised Rangers fans and my dad, a Rangers fan himself, actually said, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't take much to wind up some Rangers fans and I think a minority of both sets of fans have been, have, have got caught up in the occasion and and that's what it is, that needs to be remembered from, from both angles, I think from from Rangers they have to shoulder some of the blame as well and, and with their statements they've totally They've not done that. They've blamed Hebs. They've blamed the authorities. In my opinion, the authorities are not to blame. I, I don't know how you can expect that. Like we said, we've not yeah. seen a pitch invasion at Hamden in our lifetime. Why why would you be preparing for one now? And Hebs, I think they've come out and they have accepted some of the blame, mm. which are not maybe not enough. But yeah. I've always been of the opinion that if, if fans want to fight, they'll fight. I mean, see when, see when you walk in, I've, I've done it... Um, Celtic fans walking down towards Ibrooks and it's, it's literally a thin layer of police and I've always thought that if the fans want to fight they, they will fight because there is simply they're not enough police now whether the police and the stewards did enough eh, at the time I certainly think you'll see a massive increase in big games now um, but I was thinking back back to the, the semi-final at Hamden last month and I remember there was like one Rangers fan running onto the park just after the game, just celebrating. But you just think now, could something like that have got out of hand as well? And you you just wonder for the future. But I mean, for me, for me, it's quite simple to be honest. I think the, the Hibs fans that ran onto the pitch for me, there's there's I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's that celebration. You see that down south in almost every single big game. You saw it in the Italian Cup final, and there wasn't the same reaction. I think the Hibs fans that ran over to the goal, the Rangers fans were out of order, totally out of order. Um, equally, I think the Rangers fans that ran onto the pitch, um, and then as the two the two sets of fans obviously collided in certain circumstances, totally bang out of order. Um, I think it's as simple as that. To be honest, I think both both sides are culpable, um, in my opinion. Anyway, no, I know I know Callum Fisher disagrees with me. Callum, get your get your opinion across. That's what it's about. Um, well, I mean, first off, no no problem with fans running on the park to celebrate. That's fine. Yeah. That genuinely that is fine. No problem with that at all. The issue comes when Rangers employees are attacked by those fans. Yeah, um, totally bang it border, There are pictures there, and if if any listener here disagrees with me and turns off because of this, then that's fine. Because to be honest, I'm absolutely sick of this culture of it's Rangers, so it's fine. It's been happening since last season when there was a pitch invasion at Motherwell, and it was glossed over. 
and it's happened again this year. Now, Rangers supporters didn't enter the field of play just because there was Hibs fans on the park. They did it because Hibs fans ran over to our area, and there's, there's pictures of this. Hibs fans get well across to our penalty box before there's even one Rangers supporter on the park. This happened because Hibs fans attacked Rangers players and staff. The evidence is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, I mean, there was a disabled fan on the radio saying there was no police in sight, and because the, and you know, they, they feared for their safety. And if, I mean, and, and we've even had, when, when Bill Leckie is um, praising Rangers fans for restraint, then I think that that shows really where we're at. Um, he's no fan of us. We've had other journalists as well, um, albeit there's quite a few of them that seem to want to distort <coughs> the narrative here. Um, praising Rangers fans for restraint. I don't blame the fans that ran at the Hibs fans, to be honest, because if it were, if and if anybody has a problem with that, see yourself in a situation where you're seeing your your players attacked, and uh, you know after everything, I think that that Rangers fans have sort of, and I'm not saying that we're we're innocent victims o- overall here. I'm saying in terms of Saturday, I do believe that Rangers did absolutely nothing wrong. I think the statement yesterday is bang on. I think it hits. I think it's. I think um, for the first minister to put out a tweet congratulating congratulating Hibs is fine. However, when you are part of a political party that uh, previously called a summit because two managers square go, you know kind of squared up yeah. to each other on a touchline, I think uh, I think it's a bit rich. Um, Do you think it's an anti-Rangers <coughs> bias that is what fueled the Hibs celebrations on Saturday? Do you, be, well, if I, if I re-ask the question, do you think the same reaction would have happened against Hearts or Celtic from Hibs fans? Would they have run on and go to the fans? Um, certainly not against Celtic. Really? Potentially against Hearts, not against Celtic, not against any. I think us and Hearts. I think that's the two teams you're looking at. I disagree with you completely. I think I think Hibs fans would have gone. Did Celtic no. fans, Aberdeen fans, Dundee United fans? I, d- I disagree with that. But I mean, uh, well, I think. I still, but I still think it comes down to this fact that it's been glo- it seems to be just glossed over the fact that that sort of you know both sides are to blame here. I, I don't un- I don't really see where that's coming from. You know the the reaction by Rangers fans happened because of what happened with Hibs fans and primarily because they attacked Rangers players. So I mean I think this this whole and the the. The reaction from Hibs is quite frankly disgusting, and and Rod Petrie, Rod Petrie, the fact that he could be our the next head of the SFA is is absolutely abhorrent. I think after the weekend, for him to sit there and and cast aspersions on what Rangers have said, and you know his fans, I think it was over exuberant was the was the term he used. Is quite frankly disgusting. Um, the fact that no one at that club has a decency to pick up the phone to Rangers after what happened. Um, to apologise is <clears throat> disgusting as well, um, and you know I, I'm sure as I say I, I don't think anybody in this room or anyone else on the pod will agree with what I have to say, but I, I mean that's that's fine. But I think this idea that it's oh it's it's all right because it's it's Rangers is is you know I think a lot I think it was a it was a watershed moment on Saturday for Rangers fans. Um, and I make no apologies for my opinions on that subject. Uh, and to be honest, the game itself, I can accept defeat. It's when 
excuses are being made for Rangers players being attacked and there's actively people out there trying to find evidence to the contrary even though the national newspapers had pictures of it. Um, I think I think quite a lot of people need to need to take a good look at themselves after after the incidents on Saturday. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think there's any doubt that Hibs will get absolutely hammered for this. I think they'll get absolutely hammered for. I mean, you cannot go and attack Rangers players. It's just they, from the images I've certainly seen that seem to seem, seem to be yeah, the case because, in some circumstances. Sorry, not to interrupt, but see, just because Lee Wallace doesn't come off the park missing a limb, um, it doesn't mean that he wasn't attacked. I've seen that. Oh, he's come off and he's looking all right. You know what I mean? Like it's just. So just to. I mean, for me, the, the main images I think you'll see will be the images of the Hibs and Rangers fans fighting. I don't think there is any way that's. I don't think that can be excused in any way. And I, I, I don't. I don't buy the excuse of standing up for their players. I, ju- I just don't buy that. I just think if you're, I don't think you go and fight on and, and punch a guy, a Hibs fan, in because he's been fighting one of your players. I think that's just looking for a fight. I think there's idiots on both sides who are looking for fights and they ended up fighting. I, th- I think that for me that's the bottom line. I'll let, I'll let you come well, in. I would, just sorry, just to just to sort of counter that point. I I haven't. I mean, you don't want to see football fans fighting, but no, of course not. I think because of and that's a, another point as well. Because of the the lack of um, action taken by the police and the the moments that followed, those Hibs fans weren't stopping when they got to the to the, the goal. They were, you know. They were running towards Rangers fans in the stand. So if those Rangers fans don't come out, where do the Hibs fans stop? And I think, as I say, there was disabled fans that were fearing for their safety. The police didn't act quick enough. And I think... I I, I won't condemn any of those Rangers fans that came on that park at all. And I, and I don't care what anyone says, I will not condemn any of those Rangers fans that did that. You've seen stories about like, Rangers fans... A Rangers fan tweeting that his, his son got punched in the face by another Rangers fan who was trying to get to the pitch. Like, how can you how can you not condemn that? You've got surely at Rangers as a club have got to, even if it's a little. Of course, Hibs are in the in totally in the wrong. Like, and they've probably antagonised it, and they've they've started it. They've done more. It's fair to say, but Rangers have got to shoulder some of the blame at least. There's no, there's no doubt in Hibs are the, the instigators here because yeah, Rangers fans, like Celtic fans and like Dundee United fans in the semi-final, would have just gone home um, gutted, gone home gutted, like like those fans as well. However, the Hibs fans have instigated something here. Now my argument is why do Rangers fans not just turn away and just walk off, just go home rather than going on and starting something? Because I don't buy for a second that Hibs fans are going to come into the stand and. and Fight with Rangers fans. I just I don't have that. I don't I don't buy that. And even if they were, I think the police would have it handled. See, that's everybody's opinion is different. I think. Yeah, on no, I totally get that, Lewis. What's your take on the issue? Yeah, um, I'm probably not going to give uh, Fisher. I'm not going to reply to his comments. I'll let them just stand up and on, on their own. Um, both uh, both clubs are in the wrong. Both clubs should be hammered for it. Uh, move on. There's a bigger story, and it's Hibs winning the cup. Now, the first question we had in here was from Kieran Poland. He's asking the media. Well, he says the media say that nobody will remember David Gray's name because of the aftermath. Do you think that's true or false, Lewis? Um, and Kieran says that he says it's false. Yeah, that's false. Um, I mean, the media will try to spin it in in that way, but I think I mean, fans of Scottish football will always remember that. Hibs fans will always remember that day. Um, Pat Nevin was actually saying on, on sports scene last night. He was saying how you know 
<laughs> it was quite weird that she was going on to some spiel about how, uh, as, as human beings, we only remember certain days uh, in our lives. But then he says, how that will be for all Hibs fans who remember that day. So, yes, David Gray's name will be remembered. Hmm. My, my opinion is uh, that I think it will be remembered um, as a Hibs victory, of course. But for me, being totally honest, I, I think there will always be like a kind of. Will always be a thing next to it where you go that that was a game where there was a fighting. I mean, it was for me both both sets of fans that were fighting, and it was for me a minority again. There's no doubt it was a minority in a stadium of fifty thousand. It was what a hundred, hundred and fifty fighting maximum. That is a minority, and, and it is completely inexcusable from on both sides. Um, and the, they've shamed the clubs, both fans, in my opinion. Uh, but I just, I just don't, I don't think that. I don't think that it will ever take the gloss away from what the rest of the stadium witnessed on Saturday, which was Hibs, of course, winning the trophy for the first time in 114 years. Is there anything else any you want to add just before we move on from this game? Because it was obviously probably the, the biggest talking talking point of the, the season, probably that game and, and what happened afterwards. Yep, silence, does it, silence does it justice. Uh, we'll move on to yesterday's game then. At Rugby Park, all three of you were in attendance where Kilmarnock came out with all the questions asked about them, Johnny. They came out and they put on a show for their, um, what, 7,000 plus home crowd? Um, yeah, just, just, home un- just under yeah. seven. Um, I think Kilmarnock were, were written off almost going into this. Um, probably by myself as well. I think going into the first leg, I said there was more chance of Falkirk winning by three than there was of Kelly winning, which kind of got away with because Falkirk won the first leg I suppose but I think we almost forgot that you know Kelly have got these players that like Greg Kelty um, that can just open a door even Josh McGuinness I tell you what he is he's he's almost become like one of those players that you kind of go haha Josh McGuinness but he's he's a, he is a fantastic player you got to remember this guy's going to uh, an international competition he can yeah. he can beat a player he's got pace I think it's just taken it's taken him so long to find his position, but he's a winger. He's got to be a winger. Yeah, he's, I mean, brilliant I only saw the first half of the game yesterday, but I think what Falkirk really struggled with, and for as good as he's been, Luke Lee had a stinker yeah, yeah. and was torn apart. They struggled yeah. with the two wingers, Obadiah mm-hmm. and McGuinness, on the, le- the left and the right, respectively, because Kelly, any time they wanted to find a long ball, they could just either feed it in the wing, they could play <laughs> it into his chest, or they put it over the top. Yeah. And Falkirk couldn't deal with it I'm trying to think was it it was Kilty was on the left in the first leg wasn't he and it was uh, Obadiah on the right but I mean yeah. that, that just for some reason Obadiah it just totally changed I, I don't know if it was is it a bigger pitch I don't know if it was um, what the reason was but it just seemed to be a totally different I've never seen two totally different games from the first leg to the second leg I only saw the first half of the, the game yesterday but I assume the second half was pretty much the same but um, I've never seen just a complete contrast. It was it was really strange. Yeah, Leahy and, and Muirhead on the right as well. He was they were the two worst players. And yeah. I mean Leahy, I've always said he's my favourite player from Falkirk. I think he's got yeah. a massive I think future. He's a great player, yeah, yeah, really, really good player. Muirhead as well, he, he ended up picking up an injury when Falkirk had made all three subs. I think if you look at the first goal, McGuinness beats Leahy to the byline and he should block the cross. And then there's the third goal, Obadai does exactly the same. Muirhead should bro- block the cross. He can't he just Totally outpaced both times. I think in the first leg, Leahy was, and Muirhead as well, they were both so influential going forward. But maybe when they were put on the back foot, I don't, I don't know if it was a, maybe a, a mindset change of, right, we've got this one goal lead, see if we can defend it. 
and they, they were backing work. off from them almost yeah. but I mean there was so much space in the wings and Kelly just exploited it and uh, again just deck what you said Johnny I thought McGuinness had a huge part to play mm-hmm. in it um, I thought they missed him for the first leg um, I didn't expect 4-0 at all I don't think anyone expected mm-hmm. that but uh, I mean fair play to Kelly I mean I, I did say that after I said you know, because Houston obviously in, in the press conference after the game says, you know, this is the best kill Kamarak have to offer. Um, mm. Obviously, it wasn't. I never thought that was the best kill I to, had to offer. I always thought there was something more there. Uh, and they proved it. They, they finally mm. proved that um, there has been moments throughout the season uh, against us, actually, in the majority of games. They've been very unlucky not to come away with some more points uh, against Rangers as well a few times. Mm. Um, there have been some great performances. Just, they haven't been getting results, but this time the performance was there and so was the result. Mm. Lewis Kemp in the away end on Thursday night <laughs> at the Falkirk Stadium saw his team lose 1-0. Lewis Kemp, for some reason, in the away end yesterday at Rugby Park saw his team lose 4-0. Bad omen. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll say it as uh, whatever team is in the playoffs next year, please don't invite me to your to the away end. Uh, or else your team's always By a few goals. By a few goals. Um, yeah. But yeah, Calm, you were in the home end yesterday was, watching yes. uh, the famous Kilmarnock and uh, do you see them building from that going into next season? Was there, I mean, they'll probably be a tight, entirely different playing squad next year. Lee Clark's admitted that already. But do you think Greg you Kilt can... Is, no, not Greg Kilt, yeah, Craig Slater's Craig already Slater's away. Leaving, um, yeah. Lee Ashcroft had already said yeah. after six years that he's away. Do you see them moving on next year and taking the next step? Maybe a wee bit like Motherwell, albeit Motherwell had a new manager had to come in before yeah, that happened. Um, I don't know what... I, what I, I mean, what I... What I, would ex- what I would say yesterday is there was a real sort of the fans were really galvanised and they were really behind the team mm-hmm. yesterday and there was a real feeling I think after the final whistle of with the, with the Kelly fans of let's never be in this position yeah. again you know um, I, I think I mean the potential's there the potential's always been there I think for Kilmarnock the problem has, will be that and they were, they were I think it was the first song I heard after the final whistle was what we want Johnston out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um I think that's where the problem lies. I think that's the one thing stopping them from pushing on. I suppose again it's a lot of um let's see see how they do throughout the summer, who they can bring in, um and, and what happens obviously at boardroom level. But I I thought the performance from Command yesterday was brilliant. Um I thought the atmosphere was really, really good. Um I didn't have the heart to tell the guy that started hugging me when Kelly scored the third goal <laughs> that I wasn't a Kilmarnock fan. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a really entertaining game. It was, it was really a shame for Falkirk and Connor because obviously they've had a they've had a tremendous season. They've been superb, um, and and I always thought that they were the light years were destined, but they were meant to go up just because of the season they'd had. I should probably offer a public apology to Kelly Cal actually for writing off his team. Oh, well, you, you can, did, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll stick to my, yeah. my opinion. That, uh, of course, there was no podcast last week for me to broadcast that opinion, but I did believe that Kelly would always go through, and mm. I'll be perfectly smug about that. that I was right, and you um, were wrong, but yeah, I, but I think you also said Hibs would go through as well. So Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I it was super. I thought it was a really entertaining game, and it also provided my highlight of the season with Gordon Soyles getting chucked uh, out because wonderful. of Will Volks and John Baird, which was literally right in front of me, which was even better. I can only hope that he'll never return ever to a Scottish football ground again ever in his life, and his poor son. Well, we send out our thoughts to his poor son who had to deal with that. Um, Johnny, I mean, Falkirk have had a good effect on us this season, haven't they? I mean. I went home and my mum was almost crying last night when she heard that Falkirk had lost for poor Connor. Um, and obviously Connor has 
because of his affection with Falkirk and his connection with Falkirk, he's had a big effect on us this season. Falkirk had a big effect. It was a sad ending for them, yeah. but it's still been still been a really good season for them, hasn't it? Oh, it's been a terrific season. I think the first thing Peterson said in this press conference after was, "We weren't expecting to be here." There was no mm. way they would they didn't plan for that. And what, what was he like in his press conference? Was he was he angry? Was he just no, disappointed? After basically after saying that, I was about to say it was the first thing he said again. But he said, "I'm not blaming the players. There's there's no way he was gonna lash out at any player. He never sign- sing- singled anybody out, despite what we said about the two fullbacks having a stinker. He, he never sing- singled any players out. He was he was gutted, obviously, but uh, I think the overall overall." He was just so proud of his team, you know how far they've gotten. It, obviously, it's a massively disappointing end to the season, mm. but it, it'll be a season remembered for positive, for yeah. good reasons. They lost the Scottish Cup final last year, of course, and I think that made them stronger. He said to them after, look, we're building this now, we let this disappointment move us on, and they've done that definitely with a league finish this season. Do you see this disappointment moving them on again next year, where they go for promotion again, or could it have an opposite effect? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, to be honest, I, I I do fancy Falkirk um, to be right there with Hibs again this season, um, and I think they have a they have the edge over the fact that this season you know they finished above them. Um, so it won't surprise me at all to see them them two going at it, and um, you know it, it is very cruel um, when you have all that momentum for it to be kind of stopped in its tracks. The Southern Lights was on Sunday. It's quite hard to take. Mm. Um, and as football fans, you know we've all been there. We've all seen our teams you know, reach these great highs, and we've kind of, we've kind of um, thought of been dreaming of more, and thought we could go all the way or whatever. Um, but um, you know, for whatever reason, it's, it's not happened. And uh, you know, I do a few for Falkirk fans. Uh, it's been a great season for them, and uh, I expect the exact same next year. I think they'll lose. If obviously, Rogers and um, Rogers will be uh, back Alst- to Aberdeen Alston as well. Right. That's two players that were quite key, but if I, it's, I think, think they'll be interested for Leahy, for Vox, <laughs> um, who else am I thinking of here? I think I play like Mark Kerr, albeit his age could yeah, still do a know. job in the Premiership. Um, John Baird will probably have interest. Um, I think the, the Peter Houston said yesterday when he went in, he said uh, the first question I think pretty much was, um, "Will the squad stay together?" You know, it's been an amazing season, and he said. Apart from Blair Alston, everybody's got a contract. He obviously yeah. forgot he wasn't including Danny Rogers and that. But um, you know, you've got you've got to think that players like Baird, Miller, Kerr, so McCracken—they're all a year older now. They're all you know, they're all over thirty years old, I think. And uh, Volks, like you say, Leahy's um, a player like that. Can't play in the Championship for too long. I mean, he's what twenty-three or something. Leahy's and he's a fantastic player. He's. He's a player that could interest a, a club looking to finish in the top half, I think, of the Scottish Premiership. Volks. I think players like Sybil, I think Sybil will stay. But you also got the bonus of, you know, obviously Peter Grant will be back next season. We might see McGrandles eventually yeah. come back. It was a very bad injury he suffered. But, yeah. um, Two real long term injuries there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's they signed him, he's way back to yeah. Norwich. Have they signed McGrandle. him? Oh, I'm not, I'm not I sure. thought it was. I'm pretty sure it was a loan deal, but right. I, I could I could be wrong. Sorry, I'm pretty sure it was a loan deal, but I don't know. Even so, I mean, uh, the point with Grant stands, and um, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see um, maybe a, a few new faces as well. They have, they will have got a lot of money um, for the season. They've had a lot of sellouts. Um, mm. You know, they've had a, you know the tennises this year have been terrific. Um, 
So I, I, it doesn't won't surprise me at all to see Falkirk right up there with Hibs next year going going after it. It is a loan deal for Conor McGrandy's. <laughs> um, another point I wanted to make. It's an interesting one when they're talking about expanding the league, the top flight, and the great depth that, that's there. And there's no doubt in Falkirk have been wonderful this year. You got to remember they beat Partick Thistle. However, you've also got to add. 4-0 defeat to Kilmarnock yesterday was it 4-0 to Dundee as well eh, Dundee I in the cup Ross County as 7-0 well. to Dundee yeah. eh, to Ross County is there an argument there that there may be not the depth that we think it is I've, I've always felt that way um, that's why I, I, I never wrote off Kelly going into this um, I do think there's been a I think a part of it's because of Rangers being in there, and you know, obviously Rangers are a huge club, and yeah, I think Rangers are one of the best teams in the country. But Falkirk have held their own against Rangers and Hibs exactly. this year. Yeah, but uh, I think you have to remember there are other teams in that league that are, are maybe um, nowhere near the, the caliber, or even like the bottom kind of teams in the in, in the top flight. So um, I don't think it really proves anything, but uh, if it, I think there is maybe a, a bigger gap than maybe people suspect. Mm. And final word in Kilmarnock from you, Callum. Um, I think, as I say, it's been a bit of a. They've been a bit all over the place this season. I think if we were to go back and listen to the season preview pods, um, we'll be doing that yeah, later in the week. Don't you worry. Um, I think some of us might have some, um, tipped them to be a lot higher up than they were. Um, but you know, as I say, it's given yesterday is a good place to kick on from. I think. I think there was a lot of. Positivity surrounding the place. That's the that's the feel I got from it anyway. Um, and as I say though, I think the only thing that's really holding that club back is is the board. Um, but congratulations to them because it was a really it was a really enjoyable game um, yesterday and and the the best team won. Yep, congratulations to Kilmarnock on preserving their top flight status. We'll be talking about them in the Premiership next year. Falkirk will still be in the Championship, but I'm sure. Uh, They'll be getting just as much coverage, if not more, on Burst Ball next season. Um, we'll turn our attention now to a few new managerial appointments that have taken place over the last what week or so, last what, five days or so. Um, no doubt the big one is, of course, Celtic, who on Friday at seven minutes past five, um, they announced uh, via Twitter that Brendan Rodgers was a new, the club's new manager on a one-year rolling contract. Uh, Lewis, we're heading up later on to see the new boss in, uh, at Celtic Park. I mean, it's an easy question to ask. What do you think of it? Um, how much ambition have Celtic shown in this appointment? Um, delighted. Um, I mean, he couldn't be anything but delighted. I mean, his track record speaks for itself. Um, excellent job at Swansea. Um, very good job at Liverpool, even though it kind of petered out towards the end. Um, his style of football is something I think that which will be very attractive towards the kind of Celtic fans. Um, he likes to play football the right way. Um, the, in terms of the board showing ambition, you know, um, uh, I, th- I think they do deserve credit for obviously getting Rodgers on board. Um, but there is also a part of me which, um, you know, I mean, the last few years, obviously, I think it just kind of. It kind of confirms that Daiwa was the, sh- the cheap option and that they have been coasting the last few years. And it is, from that point of view, it's a wee bit disappointing um, that, you know, they've waited until Rangers are back in the league to kind of make a statement. The rest have done the laurels. Um, I- I've been on records in that before. But uh, on the same on the same note, you know, this is a great appointment. Um, I've got, I-, I have no doubt, I- I- I've got a very good feeling about um, his tenure in charge of Celtic. Um uh, there's talk about fifty million, but I, I'd say there's already a very good squad there. Um, if he wants to, you know, keep it, I think we will see a few players out. 
I think there's been talk about F.A. Ambrose, um, talk about Johansson, obviously, people like Commons and Mulgrew we could see them going. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens and maybe a lot of upheaval, but, um, you know, I, I just, I'm just really looking forward to the season now. Mm. You're a guy who follows English football quite a lot. Johnny, is this a good appointment for Celtic? Is this probably as good an appointment as Celtic could have got? Yeah, I think it. I don't think they could have appointed anybody anybody better. I think Lewis has touched on it there. He did a an incredible job getting Swansea to the Premier League and and on a, a relatively small budget. Um, took them to I think mid table in the eleventh or something like that in the Premier League. Um, there's a reason he was appointed Liverpool manager. And I think for me, he, people who follow English football will almost laugh at Brendan Rodgers because of. Maybe they'll look back at the the Liverpool one. They they could have won the league, but I think yeah. it's time. It's time's almost overshadowed by people saying could have, should have won the league. But they wouldn't have. In my opinion, they w- they would have been nowhere near second had he not. Yeah. He created that team. You've got to remember. He 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 doesn't get any credit for the the style in which they played. Um, that front three were exceptional. Uh, Suarez, Sturridge, Coutinho, uh, Coutinho um, Sterling. Sterling, Sterling, sorry. Uh, Difficult circumstances where obviously with Raheem Sterling basically wanting to leave, but circumstances he won't have to deal with at Celtic, I'm sure. Um, players wanting to leave for 50 million to Man City shouldn't be too much of a problem. But, uh, no, fantastic appointment. I think as well the style of football is something that that, that Celtic fans will will be easily be able to get on board with. So, what do you think his target will be for next season, Callum? Then, in terms of what the board put down, is it the first target? His uh, aims for next season, we'll winning the league. Probably. Simple as that. Or they offer European. Football uh, as well? I would imagine, and they will want him to do a bit better than Dyla did uh, in the past few years. And I would imagine um, the aim would be to probably win Celtic a cup as well. Um, so I think, I mean, I think they're all things that he that he is capable of. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree nor agree with what Johnny said. I think well, you can find a lot of positive in Rogers' time at Liverpool. You can certainly find a lot of negatives as well. I think, um, and also this probably won't be a, a problem with Celtic to an extent. He was given an awful lot of money, mm. and he squandered an awful lot of it on not a lot of quality at times. I've heard that argument and I looked at some of the players he signed and they've actually they maybe didn't do great under him but you'd argue I think he signed Firmino he signed a lot of the, he signed Sturridge, Coutinho, Sturridge a lot of the players that are doing well for Jurgen Klopp now now whether that's uh, uh, having a go at Rodgers for not getting the best out of the players he signed or whether he just they needed a new manager or whatever but I'd, I'd argue that a lot of the current Liverpool players Emery Chan's another one that is, is doing well yeah. now I think I think the only criticism I'd, I'd label it Rogers going into this is that I wasn't really a fan of how he handled the media down south and uh, in that respect I don't think it's going to get any easier up here um, and, but you know as you said um, I, I think I think there's actually going to be um, it'll, it'll get bonuses if Celtic do well in Europe yeah. I think there will be incentives there for them to reach the Champions League and you know in all honesty as much as uh, I think this season out of the last couple of years um, although it maybe doesn't mean as much to Celtic I think the league means a lot more now than actually reaching the Champions League um, I, I still think like the amount of money that's been spent on him I think Champions League should be almost expected I think hmm. I think what you said about about Rodgers 
at Liverpool. I think I, I think I would probably point out about maybe a, a more disappointing aspect was this actually when he got Liverpool to the Champions League. I thought, I thought yeah. they were they were very yeah, they were poor. Very I, I remember Ludogorets. They, they went over and drew with Ludogorets. <laughs> yeah, and they were smashed by Real Madrid. I think. Uh, I also remember he made a, a very strange squad choice when they played Real Madrid away. I think yeah. he prepared for a a league match with. You know, bottom of the half table side, but I'd, again, that's nitpicking and picking one yeah. game. I, I still think, it, especially next season, I think what Fisher actually touched on it there. I I think this is the perfect time for anybody to come into the Celtic job. I don't know if you feel the same, but I think because because Rangers are back, I think the objectives will be more focused on the league rather than Europe. Yeah. I think it will yeah. maybe be overshadowed. If, if they go out of, yeah. of the Champions League early, it will almost be forgotten about if they mm. convincingly finish ahead of Rangers. I agree with you, actually. I think the, the pressure that Ronnie Dyla had and Neil Lennon as well in his last two years was that the season hinged on the first few mm. weeks in, in well, July and August. And yeah. after that, Ronnie Dyla... I mean, I always thought there was another chance for him, but I, I feel, to be honest, after... After when they went out to the likes of uh, Maribor in his first season, uh, Legia Warsaw, and then Molde, and then obviously the Europa League campaign last year was was a stinker as well. I just felt it was always going to be difficult for him to properly come back from that point. Um, so I, I do agree that I think Brendan Rodgers gets he'll, for a start he'll get slightly longer because he's a bigger name than Ronnie Dyla got, and and then also I think the fact Rangers are back in the league um, and you've got kind of Hearts and Aberdeen as well who are good sides as well will give him a wee bit of leeway if he doesn't qualify for Europe. I think there'll still be questions asked if he doesn't, just because of the nature of it. But I think as, as long, I mean, the Champions League's a goal, I think as long as Brendan Rodgers can get Celtic into the Europa League group stage and they perform better than last year, I think for his, and obviously they win the league, which is a must, I think that'll be kind of accepted for a first season because... I don't know, he didn't do great in his first season at Liverpool, did he? It was like seventh, seventh, seventh well, eye. One thing I'll say as well, like, um, just backing your point, Johnny, about, you know, set of fans, they won't, obviously the league's a target and stuff. Um, every manager that's came in, you know, the first season's actually been usually quite disappointing myself. Like, I remember Martin O'Neill, uh, his first season wasn't great in Europe, obviously striking with Bratislava, um, Mowbray with, you know, to be Arsenal and then Europa League. Mowbray actually had the best one, I think. I think... Well, <laughs> Dyla wasn't even too bad as well. Yeah, I went to the last thirty-two. The Warsaw thing as well. So, um, um, there is, I think again, there is a bit of leeway um, that will be given to him for that. Um, But um, it'll be very interesting to see how he does. does, But I think the league is definitely the priority next year. Yep. So um, Ronnie Dyla been unveiled today at Celtic Park as Celtic manager. Um, Brendan Rodgers. What did I say? Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla. Aye, Brendan Rodgers. Ronnie Dyla was a couple of years ago. Sorry, I was just in complete uh, screensaver mode because I was thinking about another managerial appointment that happened last week and as our old favourite, Gary Locke is back in management. Yes, somebody, thankfully somebody took a gamble on him. It was Wraith Rovers, of course, as they announced him as the successor to Ray McKinnon. Um, Four-year deal, or am I completely talking crap? Four-year deal. Oh, it was a two-year deal, wasn't it? Two-year deal. Oh, God, uh, I was a bit... Uh, maybe it was two. Uh, I was trying to remember there. I, I was talking about it a bit on Friday, but, I mean, this was... This was an appointment. Fans attacks, Sorry, any Wraith Rovers fans out there. Can we compile, then, Wraith Rover squad of players that are going to leave Kelly, Hearts, and this season? Do you want to do that? I think. Well, who's the obvious one going to be? McHattie will probably go. Yeah. Um, you'll probably look at the other what Dale Carrick will pop up on loan Dale Carrick probably on loan Robinson I mean I, don't know, I think he found a club but he'll probably find a way to get back to Wraith uh, but I mean I, 
don't know. I've, I've always, as much as I laughed at figure, I've always thought there's a manager in there. Maybe I'm the only one here. I know I probably am the only one here, but I would honestly, I would love to see them doing well under Gary Locke. I, th- I think he's a likeable guy. I genuinely do. I, I don't think you would condemn his first season before it's already started. I mean, I think we should definitely give him a chance. Um, but the signs aren't great. Um, I'm, I'm not expecting great things, to be honest with you. Um, and I'll go on record and say that I'm not, I'm not expecting anyone near the season they had this year. We'll probably win the league. Probably will win the league. Now, I am said. going to predict that he's not going to be there this time next season. Aye, because he'll moved on to a Premiership yeah. club after um, after having a wonderful season with Wraith, taking them to. It's an, it's an odd one because I think Wraith Rovers with the position they're in probably could have attracted somebody, maybe from the lower leagues who's done better. Um, and then you could have sort of similar to what they did with Ray McKinnon. Um, it's just a bit of a strange one because mm. I, I I don't know. I just I, I think I tweeted it. How Gary Locke continues to find employment in football is one of life's great mysteries. Like I just I don't know what clubs see in him at all. He just he doesn't. He signs players that he's worked with. They then don't work out. He then gets moved on, and the club has to deal with the deadwood that he brings in. Um, I don't know. I just think it's it's a strange one. I think it's it's a shame because Race Rovers have had such a good season this year, and just I I don't know. I just feel as though they could have done a lot better than Gary Locke. Hmm. Well, Gary Locke will be joined by fellow new manager, of course, Ray McKinnon, who was the ex Race manager at Dundee United, and also Queen of the South, who have today chosen Gavin Skelton to be their new manager. He's thirty five years old, and he finished last season. Uh, as a caretaker boss at Palmerston after uh, the sacking, I suppose, of James Fowler near the end of the season. They finished 7th last year. Can Gavin Skelton take them above that this term? I just think that's a really weird whole situation. The fact that Fowler was... Stinks of St Mirren, doesn't it? With uh, Tommy Craig coming in after Danny Lennon. It's just... It doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's... If if anything, it's a sideward step. It's it's not like they've they've not sacked him with any any sort of thought. I don't think they've not they've just sort of sacked him with two games to go as well when there was no immediate danger of of relegation or and it's not like they just missed out on the playoffs or something like that. I mean they were mm. nowhere near the playoffs. It was just. It was so strange, and they've sacked someone from within. Uh, they've fired, uh, hired somebody from within the club. It just—I mm. don't understand it. It's at an all. interesting one indeed. He's quoted as saying, uh, "We will strive for a playoff place in a very tough league next season." That's Queen of the South. Cowden Beath are another club who have uh, unveiled a new manager. That's today as well. They have announced that former Hearts youth coach Liam Fox will be their new head coach. Don't know what it is with clubs like. You should, there should be a rule it's, where you can't. Like director of football as well. You can't. You shouldn't. Well, there might well be. Okay, Scott. There shouldn't be a club like Cowdenbeath announcing a head coach. There should be a rule where you need to be at a certain level. Real Madrid announced head coaches. Cowdenbeath <laughs> don't. They have managers. They have gaffers. <laughs> uh, but he'll be following Colin Nish into um, Central Park after Colin Nish has failed. So you're going to say uh, following Colin Nish into the abyss or something there, uh, Cowdenbeath. So they are in. They're in League Two next year. I know. I, I, they've, got, they've got to be favourites to, to gain promotion there, but it's just it's been a stunning, stunningly poor couple of years. I remember they got relegated from the Championship when they were eighth going into the the final day, and uh, last season they were uh, they were relegated through the playoffs. It's just 
I think they were actually eighth going into the final day this season as well. It's just Aye. there's a team that have just taken so many smashings over the last few years. I mean, they'll be ten 0 at Tynecastle, beat mm. what five 0 at Somerset. It was yeah, still, still, even though I saw uh, Trin beat Irvine Medal eight 0 um, Kennedy's performance was still mm. worse. I felt. That was another question for later on in the week. The worst performance you've seen all season. Ah, so that, okay. That's you answered that one already. Um, I just think, I mean, I don't know much about Liam Fox, to be totally honest, at, at hearts he was, youth coach, he's, he's obviously uh, a young guy, I just wonder if a more experienced... Inverness Cali midfielder, Liam Fox, is it? I don't know, I'll find out for you, but I just wonder if, in the situ- situation they're in, let's be honest, with a a team that are on, on a downward spiral, I just wonder if it would have been a better option to go for... I'm more experienced as someone like Dick Campbell or someone like that. To, Scott. To, yes, someone like that to, <laughs> to, to lead them. Isn't he? <laughs> Is he? Aye. But so, someone along Jim those Jeff. lines, I think, to lead them. I, I mean, I know it's not an attractive proposition. Cowdenbeath in the Championship, never mind League Two, they're going to struggle to attract. I just don't know if it, this was the time to bring in a 32 year old, and yes, he has a former Inverness, Livingston, Wraith Rovers, and Hearts. Um, footballer, I just don't know if this is the right time to bring in a 32 year old in a, what's well, going to be a, still a tough league next season when I don't know, I wouldn't I wouldn't write them off from like I mean, where are Cowden Beath going to finish, who's going to go out and say they'll finish first and who's going to go out and say they won't finish bottom, like you know, you don't know because Cowden Beath, you could easily see Cowden Beath in a relegation scrap I don't think you can year. make any predictions really in the world leagues until you, know, you see actually see who the the, the clubs are recruiting because mm. um, there is a, such an overhaul with uh, a lot of the clubs down there you know mm. sometimes it can be whole teams you know can, just can get put dismantled so uh, so is the verdict on Wraith Rovers Queen of the South and Cowdenbeath's appointments that they're all shocking um, is that a bombshell no. we've hit here I think they're all we seem to be negative about all three yeah but I, I, you could look at the Cowdenbeath one either way I, I think, think I'm more negative about the actual club as opposed to I don't know. Don't I mean, know this guy, I suppose, as I say, I don't know anything about him. I suppose he's got to get a chance somewhere. And if he's at Hearts, a youth coach, he's obviously got something about him. Yeah. But I, j- I just wonder if that's the right appointment for them at this stage because it's a massive gamble. A 32 year old. Big gamble for a team that's on a downward spiral. He's got to address that. And he's probably going to have aims of taking them up again next year. They're probably, I mean, they've just come down. The, their aims won't be for a mid table finish, they'll be no. to get them back up. I mean, they might come good, they might run away with the league, who, who knows, but I just think in a league next season it's going to have Clyde, who are a good side, Annan, East Fife, eh, sorry, not East Fife, Elgin, who are a good mm. side, you're going to have Edinburgh City, of course, eh, and the likes of Berwick Rangers and Arbroath yeah. eh, and Stirling Albion, it's, that is a tough league, a real tough league. I think you're going to have, League One's going to be tough, League Two's going to be tough, the Championship's going to be really tough next year, and of course the Premiership as well, so I think you've on paper got four really interesting leagues next year but I mean yeah so that that's the three major appointments uh, just time for a couple of quick questions before we before we head off um, we had a question in from good friend of the show Jordan McMenemy he's asking um, for Celtic to have a decent attempt at a European run where do you think needs strengthening Lewis and will any other team have a good run in Europe and by that he means maybe a group stage or even a playoff match Um well, obviously, with Azagiri leaving, I think left back is the first area that needs to be addressed. Um, centre back, maybe as well, yeah. would probably wouldn't go amiss. Um, and obviously, the thing we've been crying out for for a while was a, a, a striker. Because I think um, Griffiths is 
he's had too much of the workload and you know he who's to say he won't have a you know six month injury or something you know well, hope not but I hope not either but <laughs> right. Aye. Well, will any other club have a good run in Europe Carl? Mm. best chance um, of any club having a decent run in Europe out of Celtic is Hearts Hearts I, yeah, I actually I, go along I would no, I would I wouldn't think that Aberdeen nor Hibs will be in Europe for very long mm. we'll see why you would say that about Aberdeen I would say Aberdeen Hearts, yeah. because I mean Aberdeen have in the last two years have been very good in Europe. I think being they've been beaten, and beaten Roger, Yeah, can. I mean they've beaten two. I think they'll take another teams. scalp next year then Aberdeen. Wouldn't surprise oh, me. Wouldn't me. Hopefully I mean we were looking at it earlier, hopefully Hearts and Aberdeen should breeze through their first round qualifiers. Yeah. So they'll both be seeded, they'll both face like a Skengedia or a Dagavariga. They should both yeah. win. Um, and then after then it becomes more difficult, especially for Hibs who I don't think will be seeded. But I don't know, I just I think Hearts are a team who are really well suited with the players they've got for Europe. They've got a lot of European players in that right. team. And the ones who aren't are good footballers like Nicholson and Walker. Are a good I, I, suitor, are good footballers. I, I, I would agree with you, but I think also, you know, Hearts this is a new team that haven't been in Europe really. Uh, the last time they were in Europe it was, you know, playing Liverpool and uh, Spurs and stuff yeah, and so. Templeton was there and that. So, you know, as a, a, a for Nielsen as well, you know, it's a completely new experience. So um Although they they probably are suited best, um, just from obviously more as watching, yeah. you know, we don't actually know how how they'll actually get on. Looking forward to it certainly. Thanks very much, guys, for joining us, Lewis Kemp, Callum Fisher, and Johnny Clark. I've been your host, Hamish Carton. We will be back on Wednesday and then Friday with our season review, 2015-16, in two parts. Take care, and over that short break, and we'll speak to you on Wednesday. Goodbye.